So hi, uh, Jason. Um, welcome to the Founders Predicament podcast. Thank you for having and, me. Um, I'm a big admirer, big fan of your work. You know, I think you know that. Uh, we've been yeah. in touch for about a year and a half, two years, and it's a real pleasure yep. to have you on the show. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for your uh, friendship and business and uh, appreciate uh, everything to date. So tell me, um, so how did you, like before you started Startup Boost, uh, you're the founder yeah. of Startup Boost, right? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah. So what, what did you do before Startup Boost? Yeah, it's a great question. So for me, I've been in the startup game essentially since college. Uh, what ended up happening on my side was uh, I grew up, well, both my parents are essentially entrepreneurs. Uh, they own businesses together. Uh, you know, manufacturing back in the day, then wholesale and retail. A lot of it was around textiles. So I grew up, you know, just around entrepreneurs, essentially. And uh, for me, a lot of it was, especially as I got older, it was more like the retail space. So a lot of unloading trucks, lifting, you know, putting, uh, unpacking boxes, putting stuff on shelves. It, it was it was fun. I mean, it was not, a, it was labor intensive. So for me, it's like I enjoyed the uh, the perspective of entrepreneurship. I didn't like the, the grunt work as much that would come in that environment. So when I was in college, actually, uh, one of my brothers, this was way back when, probably 2005, he, um, he ended up having some like startup he was working on. It was essentially kind of like a YouTube, like with annual, it was focused on like a higher end content and like annual, annual award show. He went to film school. So anyway, that ended up going belly up, but I ended up, you know, having the perspective of seeing like technology built. So for me, that was like an aha moment, like, oh, wow, this is, I can be an entrepreneur behind the computer, right? So for me, that was like very fascinating. Um, and so, I mean, when I was in college, I mean, I worked at like the bank and done a couple of things, but I remember just being like, all right, I, I like this whole tech thing. Like this thing is like calling my name, I'm enjoying it. So um, yeah, I don't want to say like there really was no career before startup. I mean, I've kind of been in this startup stage for a long time. Before startup boost specifically, like um, I had, when I was still in college, uh, Myself and a friend, we had this like us. He brought me on to be part of like this startup event series, and uh, we eventually started doing uh, events for a co-working space. So before I did startup boost, uh, we were at a co-working space, and essentially, it was a good experience for me because there was like four or five events a week. So I got to like experience everything, right, from like panels to mixers to uh, multi-day hackathons. I kind of had a chance to produce all of it. Right, from like lining up the chairs to setting up the mics to sourcing the speakers, kind of A to Z. So we were kind of doing it on our own. Then we uh, essentially started doing it for a co-working space, and eventually um, I ended up starting my own thing, which was Startup Boost. Right, right. Um, that, so that was kind just, of like the early. Yeah, that was kind of early. Uh, yeah. So and just for the record, Startup Boost is. Uh, well, why don't you explain what Startup Boost is? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So actually, funny enough, the first couple of years. Startup Boost was essentially uh, an event series, right? We were just hosting tech events, didn't have a great business model. I was just like, let me get sponsorships. And I was in my early 20s. So I was like, you know what? My net worth is my net worth. Let's kind of see where this goes. So for many years, Ray, I essentially had to like, you know, either work in the family business or work a day job in sales at a startup just to sustain Startup Boost because the business model was not good. It was just events. Like there really wasn't much to it besides that. And, you know, selling sponsorships is not a fun business model. It's a grind, right? So um, what ended up happening was I realized in call it that uh, pre-seed series A, which is where most of our attendees kind of were at or, and still are at in terms of their businesses, I noticed there's a uniform set of needs, right? 
So since I was working at startups, I started to pick up certain skills and I saw kind of a correlation to what a lot of these startups needed. So at first I did some consulting work and over the years that morphed into a full-on agency. So, you know, we don't do anything technical. We're like a non-technical agency. We do like marketing, design, uh, you know, that type of thing. But uh, what ended up happening was, again, we were growing the event series with honestly no great business model. And again, my mindset was just build it, see what happens, because I'm meeting some really high quality people. And then I saw kind of a need in the market by literally talking to like thousands of founders and investors over the years. And it was just the same thing over and over. So I started to solve for X, I guess if you want to call it that in the scenario. And that's how the agency essentially uh, you know, came about. And so fast forward to today, we have about 30,000 people on our newsletter. Other, I think I want to say like 30, 40,000 across our socials. Um, and, you know, we're now that it's a kind of post COVID and we're out of the weeds, we're going to start going full force again with events. Uh, just to give you an idea, like this month in August of 23, we have a, like a dinner we're hosting tomorrow for some founders. Uh, Thursday, we're doing a panel. So, you know, we're back to being super active on the event side. Right. Because for us, it's like, we, it's interesting, I feel like, because we're an agency, but really our ethos is like a community, right? Like that's kind of what we were originally for many years with no agency. So we kind of always gravitate back towards that in terms of the concept of community building for the sake of community building. And then any derivatives or sorry, any derivatives or ancillary benefits are kind of a cherry on top, which is pretty much the agency, you know? Okay. So let me, let me, let me um, yep. uh, uh, hone down on one of the details that I think people who don't know your business won't yep. be familiar with, which is, so what are you solving? So I understand startups and that's why I started the podcast. Startups yep. have a lot of pain points. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of uh, there's a lot of inertia to overcome just to get started. How yep. do you help? How do you help uh, these uh, nascent founders with their business? Definitely, I'd say one of the bigger ones for us is really having the mindset of like two ears, one mouth, and really listening twice as much as we speak when we talk to an early stage founder. Because I think half the battle for them is, or at least in terms of helping them, is almost like playing psychologist a little bit. And understanding like where they're struggling as a business, right? And then figuring out the best path forward. So an example of that, like we were talking to a client yesterday and we ended up landing on was doing like an annual conference. They're more in the web three space, but the idea is what well, we ended up coining kind of a digital shadow leading up to the event. So if the event is in Q124, right? What we're gonna do is we're gonna have all these action items that if you do them on the blockchain, on the startups platform, you're going to get some near-term kind of digital benefits like NFTs or whatever else. But if you continue to interact leading up to the event, meaning getting people to sign up or, you know, marketing our event uh, or brand for us, you're going to get certain IRL or in real life benefits at the conference. Like, oh, because you achieved the gold badge, you're going to have VIP access at the conference, right? So and the reason we came up with this idea was because this startup is in the film space there's some correlation back to like the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, and what it's kind of like this uh, indie film that was done around Star Wars that we're going to kind of feature as part of the call to action for the conference because we know that Star Wars obviously has a rabid audience, right? So we're going to bank on kind of the Star Wars fandom to create this digital shadow on the blockchain leading up to this annual conference. That's like a cool IRL. So again, even like in that scenario, we took two one-hour meetings just listening to them, being like, "All right, tell us about the business. What are some of the cool things going on?" Like. What is worth so far? What hasn't, right? So in terms of like solving problems for startups in earlier stages, it's, you know, there's a range of solutions. And I think what's important for us internally, at least, 
is um, like we have our best practices. So if it's like B2B lead generation, we know, we know to go to LinkedIn. We've just done it for a long time, right? There's certain stuff that's kind of, I guess, quote unquote, off the shelf for us internally in terms of process. But for certain startups, like I think some of them, you know, will sometimes be so heads down on product, but kind of blinders on that they'll not realize like how much they've actually done to date and how they're just like a couple of steps away from, in terms of strategy, from like going from nascent to like, you know, starting to get that traction and, and make moves. It kind of reminds me of that uh, one uh, meme everyone's probably seen where the two guys are digging, they're about to hit the diamonds and one guy walks away, the other guy keeps digging. You know what I mean? You ever seen that one? Uh, so it's no, like the, this, yeah, the concept sure is that if they, if they kept going, they're about to hit the diamonds, right? So just the idea of like, um, first at least like, the way we help those earlier stage startups is like understanding again, kind of almost doing like an autopsy, like an audit early on, understanding kind of like the, the opportunities and the successes and failures, and then creating a strategy. And, and, and sometimes and it really depends on like the startup, you know, and there's definitely a spectrum. Some are just like, you know, hey, we should do a little more PR and we'll be there, right? Or some might be like, hey, we have to go like A to Z on their marketing strategy and their, you know, uh, digital marketing from their brand guidelines to yeah. the way they tell, there's, there's a spectrum. But to me, in terms of like getting startups from like bad to good or even good to great, a lot of it is about just really um, kind of understanding the chessboard, if that makes sense. Right. And, and so without wanting to get into extreme detail, so how do you make yeah. money from those early startups where you're just, where you're oh, yeah, doing definitely. the one mouth, two ears role? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, in terms of our model specifically, I mean, look, there's startups who are too early for us. Like if some startups come to us, we're just like idea stage, you know, little, no budget. In those scenarios, we're just like, hey, look, like we'll take a call, we'll spend an hour with you, give you some feedback, but, you know, it's probably just not an opportunity at the moment. Uh, but, you know, like, for example, there's startups that we work with who raised millions and millions of dollars. So for them, it's less about like um, budget and more about just like, can you solve for X? So, yeah, I mean, it's a range, right? Some some startups, for example, will hire us for deck design or help them through deck content, you know? Um, others will say, hey, I need to go outbound on LinkedIn. I need help top of funnel, we'll do that. Uh, like the two events we're doing this week, they're for clients, right? They hired us to do a dinner and to do a panel, right? Uh, some startups even come to us for fundraising because we do have a large network of investors. So they'll come to us, we'll help them with their narrative, we'll get their deck buttoned up, and then we'll go outbound some investors in our network and set up some more meetings. So. I'd say, like, like I mentioned earlier, we're like a non-technical agency, but I feel like we do everything besides development, if that makes sense. So right, it's like yeah. we do fundraising, we do sales, we do digital marketing, we do PR, we do design, we do events. It's like everything that's non-technical, we do. You know what I mean? So ultimately, um, where, where, where will this, like, what would you, in five years' time, where would Startup Boost be? Would it be on the West Coast? Would it be still focused Great on question. New York? Would it be doing something different? Where, Great question. Where, where would it be? Yeah, so it's funny, right before COVID, probably like the year before, we actually started to expand out to Boston. Uh, so we were doing New York and Boston. And I mean, obviously, geography is a lot closer than San Francisco. And so, you know, we were spending a lot of time uh, thinking about that right before COVID, and that kind of hit us over the head. So we're back to square one, I'd say, in terms of that conversation, only because, you know, it was, the opportunity was essentially not there for the last couple of years. With that being said, we have done events in other cities and countries even. So we've done stuff in Boston. Uh, we've done events in Puerto Rico at the convention center there. We've done stuff in Portugal for a client. Uh, we did a small event in Dubai for a client. So like we've done it intermittently. 
Um, I have had this conversation come up also from people in other cities who are like, hey, could we almost like start a chapter in North Carolina? I think someone brought it up in North Carolina the other day. Someone in Atlanta brought it up to me. So, I mean, it's definitely something that's in the back of my mind. My, and it's not that it's necessarily super difficult. It's more of, for me, like ensuring that the quality um, it stay, you know, sticks, right? I want to make sure that if we were to bring on an ambassador, they represent the brand the right way. So that's my only hesitation. But that is something where, you know, I just kind of, if I document things properly, it's definitely doable. So definitely something that, um, again, is we've, we've flirted with it. And it's definitely a roadmap item, for sure. So um, what have you learned um, through, I, you went over this a little bit in the introduction when yeah. you explained how you got there, but what have you learned um, through your successes, through your failures, and what would you do differently now that you know? Yeah, I mean, funny enough, so what, I mean, what I'll say is that I think something that's been interesting is that, I mean, as an agency, to give you an example, right, we probably speak to about 30 founders a week and probably a dozen investors. So for me, it's like, I've almost had this front row seat or this education of not only, you know, having the perspective of learning from my own successes and failures, but learning from successes and failures of hundreds, or if not thousands of startups, right? Because I'm around it all the time. So I'd say like kind of, um to me i want to answer that question in two capacities what have like we learned and then kind of what i've learned from startups if that makes sense so yeah that's fine yeah yeah so in terms of what i've learned i'd say that and this was more of like it's always been in the back of my mind like when i first got into tech i actually didn't mention this when i was after my brother had done his thing a couple years later i was working on like my own sports social network and that's kind of was part of why i stuck with the events and stuff to continue to build contacts for the startup I was working on. So for me, like my passion was always in the tech and less in the agency side of it. Over the years, I've come to, you know, have more love for the agency side, but at heart, I'm like a, I'm more of a tech founder than I am like an agency founder. I just, to be quite honest, like that's who I truly feel I am, but I've just, you know, had success in the agency space and I do enjoy it. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it. I'm not saying I have passion for it, but I really love like building like tech. So, um, in terms of, I guess, categorizing successes and failures is, I mean, one is when I did my first startup, I learned a ton, right? In terms of like, I don't know how to code. So like I needed to solve for that. I'm not going to learn how to code. So that was like a big failure of mine in my first startup, right? Uh, so that was like a big lesson. And so now like coming full circle, one thing I've always thought about is like, you know, an agency is a good lifestyle business, but I want to go, you know, swing for the fences. So actually funny enough, now as we speak, I'm actually working on a startup then it's this private beta. And again, not that having an agency is a failure or like what I feel, because I have employees, it's a good business. But for me, I'm more ambitious. Like I'm very ambitious. So like, I want to go for like, you know, a scalable big time startup. So not that it was a failure, but I feel like, okay, I failed on my first startup. Um, I continue to build community. I built the agency, which has been successful. Now it's like, how do I get back to that straight line or that goal for myself or what mm -hmm. I consider a success of having a successful tech startup, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a direct, like, and I'm also a believer in like, you have to go through certain experience and learn the lesson or else you're never going to be prepared for that bigger success opportunity. No. So I'm not, like, it's funny when people say success or fail, I, I always use the quote of like, I'm a big believer, either you succeed or you, or you learn. 
right? The only time I see you fail is if you keep making the same mistake over and over and just like continually just going down that, that rabbit hole. Okay, sure, that could be failure because you're just not um, adjusting your actions. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I'd say like in my career, I've had successes and failures. And what I've learned from them is like um, a lot, to be quite honest, because in going back to doing an agency, it taught me so much about startups. Then now going back into my own startup now, it's like I have like, I feel like I'm battle tested. Like I've seen it all. So I'm doing my own startup. There's so many things that I'm taking away from the thousands of conversations I've had with founders, which ultimately, you know, make me successful. So I almost like I needed to, I needed to fail in that first startup to focus on the agency, to get the knowledge, to do a new startup. And obviously I'm going to keep the agency and do all the event stuff, but coming full circle, I feel like uh, the success and failure was super necessary for me to get to where I'm at and, and, and to align my ambitions, if that makes sense. Right. Right. Um, on the startup side, so the second half of that, I mean, successes and failures there, I mean, just kind of just broadly in the startup industry, I know it's kind of dancing a little bit outside of your question, but I think it's relevant, right? Uh, one of the big things I see with startups, especially earlier stage is the lack of PMF or product market fit. You know, when you launch a startup, you should always measure twice, cut once, right? And a lot of times people make it seem like, oh, that's going to cost me a zillion dollars to go ahead and, you know, really do market research. The reality is you could put together Google Forms or type for free, right? And do surveys on an idea before you go and start investing in product, right? So for example, on the new startup I did, I has to do with like connecting founders and investors for fundraising. And I surveyed within the first week while the idea was fresh in my mind. I kind of let it sit there for a little bit. I surveyed 43 founders and 35 investors within a week on my idea to ensure that there was something there. Right. And I got really good results on the survey. And actually, funny enough, I got my first 50K check at the idea stage from one of the investors on the survey. So actually, shows you the power of you know some of that product market fit research and surveys because like I had a lot of people early on who participated in that survey who are now my first users. Right. So coming full circle on successes and failures of what I've seen in the startup space, like I'm a big believer in bait. Where you go fishing, you have good bait, you can catch a, a behemoth, you know, a fish or whatever, right? If you have weak bait, you're going to sit there all day and catch nothing. So to me, if you have, you know, do good research and surveys and different things that cost little to nothing, but put in the work to talk to potential customers and you find a product, look, you're not going to find product market fit and be one of your products. I get that 99% of the time, but if you're building towards something that has some validation from the outside and not just some like internal mental validation where it's like, oh, I, I would use this thing. Everyone's going to want it. Like that's not the reality. So in terms of failures, I've seen with a lot of startups. It's like they build a lot of stuff where there's no validation. They spend a ton of money. And look, I'll even say like as a dev agency on your side, or even us as a marketing agency, it actually makes our jobs harder, right? Because if you build something that nobody wants, the well is going to run dry because eventually it's going to get built. No one's going to want it. That person's no longer going to want to build anything or they're no longer going to do marketing. Whereas they, you know, have product market fit when they come to an agency like ours or to work with someone like you, it'll be a long-term relationship because product's successful. And that's what we all want, right? So again, on my side, it's been a bit of a journey of like success and failure, but I'm a big believer in like, I needed those experiences to have the perseverance to, to go for my longer term, you know, aspirations or ambitions. And then um, on, from what I've seen on the startup side, I'd say the biggest one to me, like everyone's like, oh, our marketing is not good. I think at the heart of it is your product, what it needs to be. Right. And that's why I think it's important to talk to guys like you, Ray, who have been around the block on product and can, I'm sure as part of your process, consult those founders on like, Hey, like here's some feedback on the idea, like here's a way to, you know, approach the marketplace from product perspective, you know, tighten your chances of success. So yeah, I'm just a big believer in um, 
know, a lot of startups uh, in terms of failure, I see a lot of it around product market fit or just, again, not validating the idea, but they put their blood, sweat, and tears into so it. Is that something you help people? Sorry, is that something you help people with, product market I'd say, fit? I'd say more. Do you more expect them to have already done that before they come to you? Usually beforehand, but nonetheless, like we're very conversational with our clients and very consultative. So some of that starts to come up. The only issue for us is that we don't usually deal with super early stage. So naturally, they're already kind of crossed some of that bridge, but we do help them, you know, to uh, go a little further. Like even with like B2B lead generation, we do a lot of A-B testing to help them with customer discovery to work towards like, okay, maybe for this persona, that product clicks, right? Versus the other persona, we're like, ah, I don't really get it. So some of it through some of our processes, but I'd say that in my opinion, that's something that happens even earlier a lot of time than when they engage with us. But again, we are very consultative internally, uh, but no, it's not necessarily like a service that we offer. It's more of like a consultative kind of uh, part of our, our working together. So that's uh, part of the, so to summarize, that's part of the due diligence product market fit is something people should do right at the beginning, really. Yeah, yeah, they should. And often they don't, as you and I both know. Yeah, and it comes at low to no cost. It's just like taking a step back and not like, you know, it's like almost if you watch like a boxing or small show, it's like someone rushes into there, they're going to get knocked out. It's like, you got to like, you know, calmly, like, okay, analyze the situation. The problem is people get excited about an idea and they just run in there and they get punched in the face. So it's not, not always the best result, you know? I like that analogy. Okay, yeah, yeah. so are you, so actually you touched upon this. So you have some investors for your new, it's an AI uh, tool. I had a look at it briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a look at the the landing page of your new website, and um, it it's uh, as you described it. It matches investors with um, founders, right? It, yeah, so, yeah. And you mentioned somebody cut you a fifty grand check based yep. on the idea. That's wonderful. So, yeah. are you, like, are you, how how are you applying to investors, or are investors Definitely. coming to you? Are they knocking on your door? How's that working? Great question. Great question. So. Um, let me start with the product first. Just I'll hash that really quick, and I'll go into some of the nuance there. So, um, in terms of the the platform, actually, to go back to the product market fit conversation, not only did I do surveys, by the way, I've been helping startups. I've helped startups raise tens of millions of dollars. So, I actually essentially was able to do like that product market fit research through the agency for like years, in the sense of like, for example, right when someone would sign up to uh, like get a meeting with us with Startup Boost, we have a question in our Calendly. What services are you most interested in? 95% of startups said fundraising. So, okay, that was like years of just that continually. And I talked to a founder, like, hey, look, I'll do design work with you. I'll do digital marketing, but first I need money. So from thousands of conversations, they said, okay, this is just like a chronic issue in the pre-seed Series A. So there is that. We also talked to like probably a dozen investors through some outbound we do with like events and, and content on LinkedIn. We probably talked to like a dozen angels and VCs a week. And 90% of them are like, hey, opt us into your deal flow. So I know from experience, having raised startups a lot of money and built a lot of connections with investors, that there's this need beyond even the survey. So that's actually just one thing I want to just highlight on what we're building. Um, and then in terms of um, kind of the platform broadly, version one's just yet yeah, connecting investors and founders for meetings. Uh, we're Right now, we're still in private beta. We have about 200 startups on there, around 100 investors. Um, but we're hoping to be out of private beta in the next like 30 days, uh, hopefully like September 23. And then uh, from there, we'll start doing the product hunts and the PR runs and all that stuff. But right now we're still in private beta, just working out some of the kinks. Um, 
But coming full circle to uh, your question around fundraising, you were saying, hey, how do you guys end up, uh, kind of what's the status of the raise? Have you met investors, that type of thing? That was your, part of your question. Yeah, it's, it's like, how, how are you approaching? I mean, this is, yeah. so this is from my boilerplate of questions. It may not apply to you entirely, but yeah. essentially, how would you go about, um, you know, raising money? Raising money, yeah. How would you yeah, approach yeah, investors? Who would you pick? Because sometimes, one thing I do know is that sometimes people pick the wrong investor. And then mm -hmm. that can sink the whole enterprise because oh, that's a great, great point you just made there. So Ray, let me, yeah, let me unpack that one. That's awesome. So I'll tell you my thinking, right? Um, yeah, I was a bit, uh, what's the word? I was a bit stubborn about who I reached out to in a good way, I think. So um, that first 50K, so those guys who came in, they used to be a dev, they still are like a venture studio, but they were a dev shop years ago and they used to sponsor Startup Boost, right? So I had a good working relationship with the two partners there. They ended up raising a fund. So like Jason, it was funny enough, it was towards the end of 22. They're like, hey, look, Jason, you have one check left, left in the fund. We got to send it out for the end of the year. We, we're literally betting on you. We know you. We know like you're obsessed with this space and that like you've been solving for X in like a consultative manner for a while. Like we're just betting on you, right? And so that was one where I have great report. Like I was talking to one of the partners yesterday. Like I got on the phone with this guy. He's like my buddy. Like I, we just have great conversations. Like uh, if he goes above and beyond for me, you know, I do my best to bust my ass for the startup. You know, like we just have a really good relationship. So that was huge. Then from there, I did some family and friends. Uh, a little bit of family and friends. Um, and then funny, funny story. Like, well, number one, I have a lot of investors in my network. I'll be honest with you. I was very selective before I reached out to about our round because there's some people I know pretty well from my events and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd want that person on my cap table to be quite honest. You know, like I think they'd be a pain in the ass. So early on, I've been very selective of even like who, like what investors I try to like court for the, for the, for the round. And to put it out there, we've raised about 150 of our, oh, sorry, 140 of our 250K pre-seed to date. It's mainly been like the, the venture studio, who's that first 50K check at the idea stage, family and friends. I've gotten a couple of angel investors off of LinkedIn. Um, and like, for example, the two that I've gotten off LinkedIn, one is an operator. He's like a C-suite as a startup. So he's been in the trenches. That was huge for me, right? Uh, the other guy is at like a fortune, like top, like three companies, a really big company. I'm going to drop a bunch of names and stuff, but he's a top guy there. And he like leads monetization of product at that company. So I'll get on the phone with this guy and he'll be like, Jason, uh, like there's a time to value issue on this page. When I get there, there's not enough activity. How can we solve for that? So like, not only is he an angel, he's like consulting me on like how to improve the product. And what I'm getting out of this guy is way more than the money. Like he is cutting us a check. That's good. But it's more than that, right? He is um, essentially like consultative. So I've been pretty he's lucky. A second, he's a second product manager. Exactly. Yes. And uh, even like, for, it's a crazy story, but like we have this intern actually long, it's a crazy story. So we met him at a, in Dubai at a client conference. He is a student at NYU Abu Dhabi. And uh, he actually came out as an intern. It turns out like he does some angel investing, long story short. And he's actually cutting us a check and he's an intern for us, which is like the craziest thing. An intern investing in startup, I don't think it's ever happened before. But uh, funny enough, and to me, I was actually a good validator because like he does a lot of competitive research for us. He's in the trenches with us. And for him to be like that deep into the business and be like, I want to cut a check to me, like that's a, a win because that means like the team truly believes in you if they're like the interns are even investing. You know what I mean? Like that's a pretty, uh, you don't hear that every day. Um, so look, for me, I'd say I've been actually very careful to your point, right? On the investors. Like I've, I, I have that concern of like bringing in the wrong person who kind of spoils the pot. You know what I mean? 
Um, so yeah, I've just been very selective. Like I probably reached out to 10% of my network on the round because I've been like, those are the 10%. I would like, there's one lady, Maria, she's from 37 Angels. She cut us a check. Like, I love her. Like Maria, her and I can talk for an hour if I see her in an event. Like we'd have a great time together. So that's been a big thing for me, right? Is um, not only like, can they bring like value in terms of skill set, like, I don't expect everyone to be so consultative and spend an hour a week with me, but like, do I enjoy talking to that person? Like, I'm going to look forward to giving Maria an update. Like, I love Maria. You know, it's like she's a cool lady. We have a good time all, all the time. And it's like, we have good rapport. So for me, I've been, uh, I guess it, it, it's an advantage of networking for a long time. It gives me that luxury of being able to be selective of who I'm reaching out to versus having to like spray and pray. But I do have some like outbound going on currently. Like on LinkedIn, I reach out to people, you know, on Twitter, I'll DM some people. So there is some outbound as well. But um, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been pretty selective. And again, I'm, I'm trying to think about my long term. I just don't want to be around a bunch of people who every time their calls on the calendar, I'm like stressing out. You know what I mean? You know that feeling yeah. of like yeah. someone's coming yeah. up and you're like, damn it, that person, I got to meet with them. I really like, all right, look, cool. Catch on with the investor. This is going to be fun. You know, like that's what I want in the, you know, the company culture and the energy and that stuff. So the last question I have for you is really, and yep. this seems like an unlikely scenario, but tell me, tell me, I could be wrong here. Are you planning an exit strategy? And, um, and you know, for example, this new AI thing, you might want to yep. do it for five years. You want, might want to keep Startup Boost forever. I don't know. What's your, yep. what's your, what, what, Great where, question. where are you going? How are you so, going to, you know, how are you going to? Awesome question. So profit. where I see, yeah, no, it's a great question. So where I see that going is the following. So Startup Boost has been around for about a decade now. And the way I'm almost treating it is like a proxy for super warm. Right. So for example, whenever I do my Startup Boost newsletters, I have a lot of call to actions to drive the community to super warm. Right. So honestly, what I could probably see happening if you raise a significant amount of money and not even for cash, because I'd be paying myself, which would make no sense, but essentially kind of folding Startup Boost, what we do there, maybe minus the agency, more of like the events and the subscribers and all that. I could, and again, it's all relative. We have to raise a couple million dollars. But once you cross that bridge, I could see us essentially rolling Startup Boost into super warm because it's just a built-in community it's a built-in subscribership so where i see it going is essentially startup boost becoming a part of super warm what i decide on the brand does it become startup boost is the name of the whole thing is it super warm ai for the whole thing those are questions i'll figure out later i haven't gone that deep in the back of my mind but more of they're so synergistic that i don't necessarily think i have to choose one over the other one thing i could see is at a certain point maybe hiring a ceo for startup boost and delegating some of the work i actually had buddies who had an agency recently who raised like $7 million and um, they kind of did the same thing. I was catching up with them and they have a new startup raised a bunch of money. So obviously they can't be doing both. Right. Yeah. So what they did was they hired a CEO for the agency, delegated the work to them. So they still get some like, you know, some money out of that. And then they have their startup where they're focusing full time. So the agency side, maybe some sort of similar setup where I get some sort of CEO to come in and take it over. Um, and then in terms of like the actual property of startup boost, meaning the newsletter, the socials, the events we do, I'd probably use that as almost like a marketing proxy for Superworm because it's the same demo personas, if that makes sense.